Hey everybody, Matt Johnson here, the creator and director of New Frequency, welcoming you to another episode of our exciting radio drama podcast. On the program tonight, we have another installment of our holiday detective series, They Tell Me You Are Crooked. This one is called Not a Creature Was Stirring. Last week on the program, we debuted the pilot episode for They Tell Me You Are Crooked. Be sure to check that out if you didn't hear it. And it followed Private Eye Detective Donald Davies. Uh, lovable loser in 1940s Chicago on the case for murder. And this episode is no doubt. We once again dive into Donald's life, a little bit more into his backstory and his current love affair as he tries to solve another murder. James Napoli, the writer and star of this, did a wonderful job of portraying that era in Chicago. One of the things I really love about this piece is the way we sort of reference the television going on in the days. This is when television was just breaking and, and families and people would gather around local restaurants or even pubs to watch television. It becomes a large part of this story. But the biggest part of the story is, of course, a murder and lots of twists and turns. Perfect in a noir, right? James does that so well in his script. The cast was brilliant around him, including Tracy Crouch, Teresa Arison, Gil Glasgow as a local hard-nosed Chicago detective. It's really wonderful. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's one of my favorite series we do here. Really proud of it. Perfect for the holidays. Hey, if you're enjoying all the stuff you're hearing here on our wonderful radio drama program, please feel free to contact us. Let us know. Go to our webpage, getnewfrequency.com, and you can find all of our contact information on the contact page, all the information to our social sites and everything. We would love to hear from you. All right, well, let's send it out there to the New Frequency stage for our live presentation of They Tell Me You Are Crooked. This episode, Not a Creature Was Stirring. New Frequency, a theater of the mind on the air. On the air. In three. It's coming. Pretty clever. In two. Overcome by a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful curiosity. In one. one. New Frequency. It's like nothing I have ever experienced. And now we're going to change moods a little bit here at the New Frequency program as we take you back to 1940s Chicago, the Windy City, a place where Jack Frost truly nips at your nose and mystery and intrigue lurks around every corner in our holiday detective series starring private eye Donald Davies. It's They Tell Me You Are Crooked. Tonight's episode, Not a Creature Was Stirring. was the night before Christmas. And here in Chi-Town, an out-of-work gumshoe ain't hearing a sound. Well, happy holidays, cats and kittens. My name is Donald Davies, private investigator. Where I come from is too long a story that would get me into too much trouble. Where I am now is Chicago, pride of the Rust Belt, city of the big shoulders, the second city. For me, it's my 11th city, but there again, that's too long a story. It's Christmas Eve, 1947. I still can't afford to dress well, and I'm still in the same stamp-sized office. It overlooks Wacker Drive, and I don't want any comments from the peanut gallery. The war's been over almost two years now, and as I never tire of mentioning, 
All those American boys coming back from the front two years ago really put a dent in my Don Juan days. See, before the lads got home, it was just me and the female population of Chicago. And my own shoulder wound from my time in the European theater was always good for a sympathy tumble, too. But I don't have to worry about impressing women anymore. You see, I'm betrothed. Yeah, to Shirley, a gal I met while I was working a case last Christmas. No, no, don't get the wrong idea. She hadn't committed a crime, far from it. She was my neighbor in my apartment building, and she's the sweetest thing you'd ever want to meet. I don't usually meet sweet things. On the contrary, I usually meet the ones who've gone sour. On everything, just like me. It's the sweet things that scare me. And for the past year, I've been shaking in my boots. Yeah? It's me, handsome. Well, speak of the angel. Come on in, Shirley. Hello, Don, sweetheart. I, uh, yeah. Uh, so, what brings you by the office? Hmm, let's see. Trying to get you to leave it. Huh? It's Christmas Eve, Don. A time when lovers everywhere should be nestled under mistletoe. Uh, my hours <laughs> here at ten to six. Honey bunny, we have plans tonight. Oh, uh, yeah, down at Doyle's. That's right. He's got television. We tried that last year. Everybody showed up and the thing just flickered and died. But Mr. Doyle has the latest model now. Mm. It won't happen again. Mm. They're doing Christmas from around the world. It's so beautiful. It's just movie tone news on a smaller screen. Oh, but it's happening now, Don. Ugh. We can see Paris and London and everything. What it's like to be in different places at Christmas. All right, baby. But like I said, I made a promise to my clients to be here from 10 to 6. All right, then. Pretend I'm a client. <laughs> You're not the scum of the earth, sweetheart, so that's a hard one for me to pretend. <laughs> Mr. Davies, I'll pay you to take the rest of the day off. No, no, I can't take money from you. It feels so dirty. Well, in that case, I want you to investigate something for me. No, get off my lap. It, it seems that a little Miss Shirley Williams uh, has fallen madly in love with a certain private eye for a year now. Uh -huh. But this private eye's married to his job. Yeah. I want you to follow this private eye, yes, you, oh, Mr. Davies, and find out why he insists on working until <gasps> six. I can't take that assignment. This private eye guy, he sounds like a piece of work. He is. Well, if you see him, tell him that Christmas Eve is the anniversary of this first date with his special uh, gal. Uh, stop poking me. <laughs> take heart, Shirley. I had all my bad qualities long before I met you. Oh, we'll just be home soon, okay, my love? I wouldn't miss it, my jewel. Mm. Oh. Bye now, pet. Merry Christmas. I'll see you soon, I promise. I love you, Don. Uh. Okay, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I never could say, I love you. Sort of lodged in my throat like an unbuttered soda cracker. Shirley made me want to say it, though, and I guess underneath it all, I'm rankled. Because nobody's ever made me want to spend a whole year with them before. Like I said, I think I'm scared. Scared because Shirley could be the one. Mr. Davies, I'm Alicia Phillips. Okay, so maybe Shirley isn't the one. I'm sorry to disturb you on Christmas Eve, but I need your help, Mr. Davies. Oh, this dame had more sudden curves than a miniature golf course. She walked right in like she owned the place. She looked the type of gal who could probably make me sign over my own lease before I knew where all the blood in my body was going. 
I do hope I'm not too late. Not at all. My hours are ten to six. Well, I passed a woman on the way up, and I thought maybe you turned her away. That's an interesting choice of words. She was beautiful. You think so? I do. There's beautiful and good for you, and there's beautiful and bad for you. Yeah, which one are you? Neither. I try not to be anything at all. What's that supposed to mean? Can you do a job for me right now? Well, as long as it doesn't involve dressing up in a Santa suit. Actually... Oh, you're kidding me. Mr. Davies, I'm the chairwoman of the Morgan Park Neighborhood Committee. Yeah? Some of the most prestigious families in all of Chicago have contributed to our annual Santa Claus party at Marshall Fields. Families from all over the city attend. I'm happy for you. What's this got to do with me? We usually have a prominent area businessman play our Santa. Lady, I'm a prominent area businessman like Peter Laurie is a matinee idol. That doesn't matter now, Mr. Davies. Our Santa is missing, and it's half hour to showtime. I fear he might be embroiled in something unsavory. <laughs> you upper crusty types. There's always a little embroiling and unsavoring with you, isn't there? Well, what makes you think so, anyway? I received a mysterious phone call yesterday warning me that something might happen to Fritz. Fritz? Your Santa is named Fritz? You've no idea how he was taunted during the war. <laughs> People can be so cruel. Oh, you hold on, lady. This is America. We don't condemn people just because they remind us of other people we don't like. So, who made this phone call? Was it a kidnapping, a ransom, what? I'd never heard the voice before. I asked them to elaborate, but they hung up, and now Fritz is missing. Nowhere to be found. Well, look. Look, I... there's no time, Mr. Davies. I need someone to fill in as Santa in hopes of drawing out the people who may have Fritz. Well, you know what? I have important plans tonight later I'll with my I'll pay you a $1,000. She slapped down a wad of cash so thick it might have been used to slap someone into confessing enemy secrets. I stared at the greenbacks for a moment while she demanded an answer. Well, will you fill in for Fritz? For a thousand bucks? <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I admit that money clouds my judgment even more than the curve of a hip. By the time Alicia was through with me, my brain was as cloudy as the weather in Chicago during all the months with a vowel in them. If she was nothing more than the head of some neighborhood committee, then Al Capone really was just dodging his taxes. But I was in for a penny and for several pounds now. Ugh. The last time I was in the Marshall Fields on State Street, I was taking on a case that turned out pretty ugly. Well, so far, Things were starting out just as horrendous. Um, um, I want a Daisy air rifle. Uh, I want a Captain Midnight decoder. Yeah, ring. yeah, yeah, you want, you want. Yeah. I tell you, you post-war kids are going to grow up to be the most spoiled, self-centered people this country has ever seen. What? Uh, ho, 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 it's just a prediction. Now, scoop. Well, wait, I want to finish with my list. I'll what? get you the rifle if you're lucky and if you're good. I'll be good. Ho, 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 don't screw up or it's a lump of coal. You're a rotten Santa. Hey, at least I didn't tell you I don't exist. What? You don't exist? Mommy, Mommy, Santa's a ghost! Ah! Hey, I was getting paid to look like Santa. Nobody said I couldn't give it my own interpretation. As the adorable children continued their inexorable, snaking way toward me, I looked around and I... I saw Shirley over in the menswear department. She was having a sales guy try on an overcoat, and I knew that she was trying to figure out how it would look on me. I wanted to maybe cry. I wanted to walk over there and take her in my arms. And God help me, I did love her. So why couldn't I just say it? I'm such a jerk. 
Well, before I could metaphorically flog myself much more, another adorable child rushed up at me. There was something odd about this one. A felt reindeer costume complete with antlers, a face somewhat obscured by red cheek makeup, painted whiskers. Whoa, <laughs> which one are you, kid? Dancer, prancer, vixen? Oh, that crazy little giggle again. Uh, well, what do you want for Christmas then, kid? <laughs> and she leaned in close, right next to my ear, and said, The body is at 644 Plum Street. Get rid of it. The body? What the? Before I could think, she ran off. Surprisingly fast for a kid in a reindeer costume. It took me a few seconds to shake the shock, and by then she was sauntering through the crowd at a good clip. I bolted off after her, trailing a mob of angry parents telling me to do my job. And then I saw an elderly woman with a Morgan Park Neighborhood Committee badge and stopped her short. <laughs> Excuse me, lady. Oh, how could I? Say, aren't you supposed to be sitting up in that chair? Never mind that. I've got to find Alicia Phillips. Who? Your boss, the chairwoman of your little neighborhood committee. I am the chairwoman of the Morgan Park Neighborhood Committee. My name is Trudy Jensen. Trudy Jensen? Oh, brother, she sandbagged me. That dame duped me. Well, that doesn't sound like a new occurrence in your life. Now get back up there nah, nah, and... Sorry, sweet stuff. I gotta go. I know. I had to get out of that store and fast. Who was that little girl? And who had made a poor innocent kid come and tell me such a morbid little detail? Would there even be a body at Plum Street? And if so, whose would it be? I hailed a taxi out on Division Street. Where to, Mac? Uh, Plum Street, 644. Another one. What? Oh, uh, yeah, I had an hour ago. I had a fare across town, over to Morgan Park. Huh. Some other guy going to the same address. There a party over there or something? Go on, get in. Uh, yeah, right, yeah. A party. Maybe that was my, uh, my friend you, uh, you took to Plum Street. Well, it took him a while to get into the cab also. He was arguing with some dame on the sidewalk. Was she a beautiful dame? Uh, as near, near as I could tell. But you know, there's beautiful and good for you, and there's beautiful and bad for you. What? Wait, 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 wait. Why'd you say that? That's what the dame said. She was trying to calm the guy down when she got in the cab with him. She got in the cab with him? What'd I just say? You said she got in the cab with him. Hey, Santa... How about we just wish each other a Merry Christmas, call it a day? Fine by me. I tell you, until I met that cabbie, I thought only a sexual relationship with a woman could produce such icy, awkward silences. Somebody call Betty Davis. Your male doppelganger is driving a taxi cab in Chicago. The door was eerily wide open at 644 Plum Street. A Garfield Ridge designer home, the kind of place that looks great in a magazine but has no life in it when you actually step inside. Boy, I didn't know how apropos that sentiment was until I... I've stumbled across a lot of dead bodies in my line of work, but this one... Forget it. I got nothing poetic to say about corpses. Especially ones bumped off in such unique ways. This guy was tied to a chair that had fallen over. He was tangled up in a string of Christmas lights, and his bare feet were wet from the giant puddle of water around him. The lights were plugged in nearby. Looked like someone had arranged for him to get wet around electricity. Like tossing a toaster in the bathtub, only more decorative. <laughs> I took a look around. Hmm. All I found was this stack of embossed invitations. They looked like leftovers from a whole lot more that had already been sent out. So I grabbed one. It was an invitation to a play. 
the Goodman Theater's annual children's pageant was the night before Christmas. This one, according to the invitation, was also their annual Holiday Star of Tomorrow Christmas pageant, now in its fifth year. We are proud to present the cast of Chicago's most promising youngsters and... Wait a minute. This play was due to start in just 20 minutes. What do you got there, Davies? Detective Peter Culp had a knack for showing up just when I had the most explaining to do. We'd been friends a long time. It was a weird kind of friendship. One where you hate him until he runs out of reasons to arrest you. And he hates you until he figures you're in the clear. I slid the invitation in my pocket, opening my jacket to do it. Don't move. All right. You know, this wouldn't be the first time I've had to put cuffs on a Santa. They get pretty ornery this time of year. Yeah. It's a charming outfit, by the way. Oh, thanks. So, one more time. What's that you're reading? Huh? Oh, wait a minute. I'm assuming you can read, which might be a stretch. Yeah, yeah, I read people pretty well. Climbing opportunistic cops, especially. Oh, you're a riot, Davies. I get a call saying I should head to 644 Plum Street, where I'm likely to find you in the proximity of a stiff, and you insult me. Who made that call? Anonymous. I didn't do this murder, Culp. Some kid sent me here. The killer is probably some guy named Fritz. Oh, boy, are you ass over tea kettle. Fritz is the dead guy on the floor. What? Fritz Wagner, Hollywood film producer, native of Chicago, keeps a place here. Well, I gotta hand it to you, Davies. That's one of the most sparkly dead guys I've ever seen. But, all wrapped up there in lights uh, and deep fried. But I didn't do it, Culp. Now, uh, show me what you're reading, then. Nothing. It's just an invitation, you see? Yeah, well, let me have a look here. Sure, have a look, detective. <laughs> I cold-cocked my policeman friend and hightailed it out of 644 Plum. Culp went down, but he wouldn't stay down for long. I knew it wouldn't be hard for him to track me, but I had the tiny edge I needed. Something told me the answers were at the Goodman Theater, and I had to get to Michigan Avenue before Culp did to try to clear my name. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Goodman Theater and tonight's specially expanded version of The Night Before Christmas, featuring a cast of dozens of Chicago's most talented children. I bought my ticket and stood in the back. This was one place where nobody questioned my Santa suit. And tonight, several of those students will be asked to audition for Hollywood's stardom based on their roles here tonight. We'd like to thank our hometown hero, Fritz Wagner, for producing tonight's entire event and chairing the selection committee. Owen for graciously agreeing to play Santa in tonight's tale. If they only knew. The only place Fritz Wagner would be playing Santa was at the Pearly Gates Repertory Company. Before we begin, let's bring out all the children so you can let them know that no matter who is selected tonight, they are all really special. So out came this parade of kids. Toddlers to grade school age, adorable, rich, pampered, showbiz kids. They didn't look like people so much as tickets. Tickets out of Illinois for their restless status-seeking parents. Aren't they wonderful? But when I saw the kid who was bringing up the rear, I got a chill through me. It was the little reindeer, the one who told me where the body was. I took the invitation out of my Santa suit pocket. There, down the bottom of the cast list, among three non-speaking reindeers, Amanda Phillips. Boy, that last name sounded familiar, but... By the time I could even think how to figure this one out, I had to turn around oh, and face... Oh, there you are. Cheese and rice. Tell me why you're just watching, Buster. What, 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 what? 
Hey, who are you? I'm Lewis, you turd. You can't talk to me that way. I'm not stage manager, and I have indigestion thanks to you, but do I have time for a bicarbonate of soda? What? No. No, I do not. Why? Well, because I have to spend the day tracking down dips like you. Hey, you can't talk to me oh, like that. Oh, get backstage. What? What am I? You're the understudy, right? Huh? Well, Wagner didn't show it. We gotta have a Santa Claus now. Move it. Come on, uh, come uh, on. Uh, uh, Normally, I would have told old nervous Nelly and his shirt where he could pour his bicarbonate. But I did what he asked. Why? The truth is, I was intimidated. See, I hated theaters. Ever since my second grade teacher, Mrs. Nussbaum, pushed me out on stage to play a tree in the Easter pageant. I was traumatized. What can I say? We all have our complexes. Going backstage had me breaking out in a cold sweat. I nearly succumbed to a bout of vertigo when I heard a sound that refocused me. I went by an open dressing room door and there she was, Alicia Phillips, the one who sold me the cockamamie story about her neighborhood committee. Okay, she played me for a sap, but those rather fantastic gams took my mind off my dizzy spell. Oh. It's you, Mr. Davies. You sound surprised. No, I... What are you doing here? Five minutes ago, I couldn't have told you. But seeing the lousy credit your daughter Amanda got in the program and watching her bring up the rear in the cast promenade, I think I've got you pegged, Mrs. Phillips. Oh, Mr. Davies, you don't know anything. Yeah, try this on for size. You're arguing with Fritz Wagner in a taxi cab tonight. What about? I don't know. Maybe you're making time with him and he... Let me see. He... Promised he'd pick your daughter for the big Hollywood break tonight. Only you get the invitation and she's third reindeer. Not even any lines. That has to cut like a knife. No, oh, Mr. Davies, I'm so frightened. Yeah, I would be too if I was going to do 30 to life for murder. I didn't do it, Mr. Davies. Oh, then who did? Right behind you, Mr. Davies! What? Oh, oh! In my line of work, I took more hits on the head than Larry Curley and Shemp combined. <laughs> And if you're asking, yes, it does get old. Things were foggy as I began to came to, and I, I was aware of voices before my eyes could flutter open. Mrs. Phillips! Mrs. Phillips, your daughter is due on stage, and my ulcer is very mad at both of you right now. Do you see? Did you hear that, sweetheart? You should get it back out and do the play. Why? They won't miss me. They can get by with two lousy reindeers. No one will even notice. It was the daughter. The little reindeer. And boy, was it ever clear now who wore the pants in this family. Amanda, dearest. You promised me, Mother. You promised me I would be famous and move to Hollywood and get everything I wanted. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're weak. You're so weak. I am. You were weak to get involved with that horrible Mr. Wagner, and you were weak to let him lead you on. You were weak to hide that invitation from me, and once I found it, you were too weak to do what needed to be done. What was that, Half Pint? What needed to be done? Oh, he's awake. Don't hurt him, Amanda. Will you listen to her, Mr. Davies? See how weak she is? She didn't want to kill you. I'd had to convince her that it was for the best. I looked down. I was tied to a chair. I was barefoot. A string of Christmas lights was waiting to be plugged in inches from the puddle of water that had spilled beneath my feet. Oh, Mr. Wagner was almost too easy. You should have seen his face when I hit him with my souvenir Oscar statuette. <laughs> Remember our trip to Hollywood, Mother, when I said I would have my own Oscar one day? Yeah, well, why the Christmas lights? She wanted him to die wrapped up in the joy of Christmas. 
<laughs> the joy he'd ruined for her. Forever! When Mother found me with the body, she made another false promise. She promised me she could find some idiot to take the fall for me. You were that idiot, Mr. Davies. Oh, so your mother chose me, huh? That's right. Well, I'm flattered. What? It's nice when someone chooses you for something. Something so important. I... You be quiet! Especially when you deserve all sorts of good things just because of who you are. It means so much to get picked out as someone special. Someone who can really do the job. You shut up! Too bad nobody chose you, Amanda, isn't it? Plug them in, mother! Darling, I... Because you have no talent, do you, Amanda? All you have is want, want, want. Well, that in five cents will get you a great knee-high, you little twerp. Plug in the lights! Don't do it, Alicia! Do it, mother! Plug them in! Whatever you say, Amanda. Alicia, no! I'm sorry, Mr. Davies. You can't... All right, everybody, stay put. It was Detective Culp. I'd hoped if I kept them talking long enough, he'd be right behind me. He assessed the situation and yanked my chair back out of the puddle of water while training his gun on Alicia Phillips, the mother. Take it nice and easy, everyone. Don't electrocute the nice man, lady, all right? I... Now put it down. Don't make me shoot you, miss. Someone help me. She's mine, you know, so I love her, but someone has to help me. That's fine, that's fine. Mr. Policeman, sir, you should arrest my mother. I'm just going to kill this nice man. I tried to stop her. Don't listen to her, Culp, it's her. What, the kid? Yeah, she's quite the little rascal. Oh, I can't believe... No, lady, don't! None of us noticed that Alicia Phillips had slipped off her shoes and put her bare feet in the puddle of water. Alicia, no! No! Trust me, this is not the way I would have wanted to make a woman light up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) Alicia Phillips didn't die, but she would spend the next several days in a hospital, while her daughter was getting set to spend the next several years in Riverview. (laughs) Kids. Yeah, you're damn right, Davies. Are we going to go in or not? Yeah, you heard right. That's Detective Culp. I asked him if he wanted to join me at Doyle's when I went in to meet Shirley. She's waiting, Dunn. Truth is, I wanted someone with me. I was over an hour late, and I didn't want to let Shirley down. Here, I'll get the door. All right. We stepped into Doyle's. Jeez. <sighs> Do you see her, Culp? No, not yet. Oh, man. Why she put up with a dope like me? Keeping her waiting. Never the man I could be to her. I bet she's fuming. I bet she's really ticked off at <laughs> Oh, hi, hi. Uh, uh. Merry Christmas. Uh, oh, hi, Detective Cole. Yeah, hi, Shirley. Quite a crowd here tonight. Oh, and you're just in time. Doyle's going to turn the television on any second. Hey, Shirley, I thought you'd be cross with me. What for? Oh, I'm late. It's Christmas, Don, and I love you. And I love Christmas, Shirley. You're the best. <laughs> That was smooth, Davy. Shut up, Culp. Yeah. You didn't drag your butt in here. All right, all right. Everyone, gather round, gather round. Ah, how you doing? Come on, Don. Come on, Detective. Hey, Jimmy, girls, come on and join us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, Maggie, Walter. Come on up here with hey, us, Hey, Lonegan, let me buy you a beer. All right, all right, all right, everybody. Now, eyes front. Tonight, we are going to take the curse off last year, and we are going to see what this new thing called television is really about. So if you're ready, I'll just switch the set on and... Oh, this is so exciting! Here we go. You old piece of junk, you! (laughs) 
sorry, folks. Oh, that's true. But next year. Next well, the television never did come back on. And yet, they're saying it will kill off radio in time. What do I care? Radio, television, they're both nothing more than furniture as far as I'm concerned. What's important is having your friends around you at Christmas. Because when everything else breaks down, you can always... Well, you can always sing. Isn't that right, Colt? Come on. Signing off in three, two, one.